Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be concluding the book of Ephesians as we've done this verse-by-verse study. We'll be in chapter 6 today, verses 1 through 24. This is the first half of this two-part study. Amen. So I entitled this simply, uh, Stand Up or stand and put on the armor of God stand and put on the armor of God we'll look at it in three parts we'll look at the first part as we continue looking at obedience be obedient to Christ and we look at that through the 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 child to the parent obedience to be subject to and then we also look at it through employee to employer and as we'll talk about whether you know has it has slave and master on there we'll talk about that as well uh, and then we'll look at be strong in the Lord in verses 10 through 20 uh, as we look at putting on the whole armor of God. And then finally, we'll look at be a comfort to others in verses 21 through 24. So as we get ready to close up the book of Ephesians, one of the things that I love is we uh, have, have spent time knowing that the church of Ephesus, Paul was addressing that he was addressing the Jews that were legalistic, trying to bring all of those things into following Jesus. And then you had the Gentiles who were trying to bring all their false gods and all their things that they were trying to do as they were following Jesus. And yet they, were, they had one thing in common that drew them together. That was Jesus Christ. And that's the one thing that we need to remember as a church. We, we come from different backgrounds. We come from different states. We, come from, uh, we were raised differently. But the one thing that we have in common in this church is Jesus. That's why he tells us that we are to submit to one another. And then he said that your submission is not just to one another, but you submit wives to the husbands. And then the husbands are supposed to submit to Christ. And now we get to the the children as they are to submit to the parent. But all of this is supposed to be done as we walk in love. We walk in light. We walk with the, uh, the wisdom and empowered by the Holy Spirit and that we mimic Christ, that we're imitators of Christ. That's where we've been the last few weeks. Let's look at where we're going today as we look at children to obey their parents. In verse 1 it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And every parent in here is going, Yeah, it would be good if they do that all the time, right? They don't know this, do they? This is why you have to correct them. And verse 2, it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And I love that. He tells you that this commandment, uh, one of the Ten Commandments to honor your father and mother, is not only given, but he also gives you the promise that goes with it. 
there's a promise that's attached to it that it might be well with you and you may live a uh, live long on the earth and so one of the things that we see is as we think about a, um, our Christian family is and, and followers of Christ is is the child should obey the parent and and when we have disobedience within a family it creates chaos and it eventually affects the marriage because you start having two sides and arguments and it just it's not good one of the things that we also see is when we have uh, disobedience of children to parents it, it creates a decay into society we have a lot of homes that only have one parent where the fathers are not, not involved in the homes at all and we know that we've seen a collapse in our communities and in our uh, in our society uh, we don't need anybody to tell us that we want to give our kids everything don't we that's the wrong answer that's the grandparents job not the parents there has to be discipline there has to be respect and and correction and 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 unfortunately what happens is when we get away from those things you start allowing that child because if that child is going to be disobedient and continue to be disobedient as a young adult they'll be given over to a debased mind and they'll start chasing things of the world and it's funny because when you look at Romans chapter 1 verse 30 you see that it says slanderers haters of God insolent arrogant boastful inventors of evil disobedient to parents and you're like man why did Paul write that as is a debased part of you having a debased mind you don't want nothing to do with your parents you want to be is, is that you'll have a long life but you have to keep the commandment to honor your father and mother and and we struggle with that trust me I mean I know that some of you have been brought up with parents that are have done things to you that are probably like treated you certain ways talked to you certain ways hit you with stuff that you never thought you could get hit with and you honor your father and mother can you forgive them especially if you're an adult now because if you have kids lord knows i've tried to whatever's around i'm hitting them i've been there but can, can you forgive them can you still honor your father and mother that's one of the things about the Hispanic culture that I love so dearly is that they, they actually care for their, their elderly. Same with the Hawaiian culture. I remember a Hawaiian artist saying, Willie Kay, he said, you know what, I, I'm taking care of my elderly parents. Why? The, the interviewer asked him why. And he goes, well, because I'm teaching them how they're supposed to care for me. It's passed down. Unfortunately, in the white community, I'm, we, I, and I'm speaking from my viewpoint, okay every every person that we knew got thrown in a home i remember seeing my my great great grandmother in a home nobody wanted to care for her. you honor your father and mother they're your father and mother until they go home to be with the lord and if you don't have a relationship with them or you're estranged you have an estranged relationship with them because of something that was done to you as a child forgive them doesn't mean that you got to get on the phone and work things out with them, but don't allow that to have control over you. They don't know Christ. That's the, the greatest need that they have. But that commandment has a promise. Remember that. Remember that. And verse 4 says, And you fathers, and I love this because he doesn't even go into moms, he only does it to the fathers. 
And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonishment of the Lord. The New Living Translation says it this way, And now a word to you fathers. Do not make your child angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction approved by God. That word provoke is to rouse to the point of wrath. And, and I can tell you, as a father before Christ, my son who's sitting there was provoked because I thought I had to make my son hard. Meaning I had to, you need to be tough. And there are points when CPS should have been called. Wrestling and doing, I mean, I'm serious. I look at that and I think to myself, I understand why. When I read this verse, I understand why it's here. Because if you don't know Christ, you provoke your child. You think that's how you're supposed to grow your child to make them strong. That's not how you do it. You teach them the Word of God. That's what makes them strong. You be a godly man in front of them. A godly husband in front of them. A godly father. That's what's going to make them strong. That's the example that you set. And he doesn't tell the moms not to provoke. He tells who? The fathers. Because the fathers tend to do these things. They like to pick. They like to do sarcasm. They like to embarrass. They use abusive words. Fathers like to provoke by, by being discouraging to a child. Or overindulging because they made them feel bad. They ridicule and they, they have abusive words. Eventually, it can become physical abuse. So don't provoke your child. Don't. Don't do it. And, 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 you know, we go back to the simple thing of as children are obedient to the parents, again, fathers, be obedient to Christ and not provoke your child. Admonish them in the Word of God. Now, there'll be moments where you want to shake a child. Okay? Walk outside. Go pray. Gather your composure, come back in, and then talk to the child. There are some kids that they just know how to get up under you, your skin. They know. They know the certain thing to say. And, and, and my grandson's that way. He, can make, he makes the teachers just smile. And he knows he's in trouble. That's not a good thing. He gets that little smile, and then he's, that's it. He breaks, breaks the ice. And I'm like, but... Over time, that's not going to work. Somebody's going to correct them and be like, oh, no, that, that smile's not going to work with me. And so at times, he'll, you know, he'll give me that smile, and I have to say, no, no, Joe, I need you to listen. You know, I need you to listen. And it's hard, trust me, even as a grandparent, because I'm, I'm, I'm laughing inside because I'm like, man, I used to be the same way to my, my mom and dad. But at the end of the day, we don't want to provoke our children. And, and especially you fathers. He calls you out and tells you. Then he says in verse 5, Bond service be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling sincerity of heart as to Christ. Now, one of the things that we know is that when Paul writes this verse, and it's very important for us to understand it from this perspective, is Paul is writing to masters who have come into faith and slaves that are coming to faith. Because slavery was such a huge issue during this time. Major issue. And the Romans treated their slaves badly. Badly. And as those Romans were coming to faith, and the Gentiles were coming to faith, he gives them instructions on how they are to 
be followers of Christ. Now, most pastors, when we get to these verses, approach it as employer to employee because that's how we approach it. But do not think that slavery does not exist in this world today. It still does. Massively. Massively. And do not think that what this country did was not a disdain on this country that we're still struggling with. So just, you know, have that understanding when we read this somebody hears the word slave and they look we're called to be slaves for christ doulos that's what we're called to be and paul even tells you in in his verse in, in ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 for this reason i paul the prisoner of christ jesus for the gentiles i'm a prisoner for christ i'm a slave for christ that's what god has called me to be and so when I look at these verses, I, I look at this knowing that, that, that I am to be serving, even here in the church as I, as I am uh, here serving in the church, that I should have fear and trembling and sincerity in the heart. But I love the fact that he says to who? As to Christ. As to Christ. As to Christ. And, and he goes on. In verse 6, saying, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Again, you see the second time the word heart is there, and he tells you as eye service. What is eye service? Simply that means when the boss is around, I'm going to look like I'm busy. Anybody ever been guilty of that? I have. Oop, here comes the boss. Let me get busy doing something, right? That's eye pleasing. What is man-pleasing? That means, and this is the word in the Greek, I love this, to study and seek favor of the boss. You're looking any way you can to study and seek favor of your boss for your benefit. Now, for many Christians, there, it may seem like that's what you're doing. If you're actually being a Christian employee, actually standing for Christ and doing the job that you've been called to do at the best of your ability... It may look like you're man-pleasing. You may be accused of that. But you do the job unto what, what Christ has called you to do, as to Christ. And he says again, again, doing the will of God from the heart at work, doing the will of God. It's understanding that as we do the will of God, Jesus is, is the, takes residence in my heart, and I want to mimic Christ at work. Verse 7 says the goodwill, uh, doing service as to the Lord. So you have it as to Christ, as to the Lord, and not to men. Knowing whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. You may not get the attaboy at work, but God sees everything that you're doing. Okay? If you're doing it unto the Lord as to Christ, as to the Lord, God knows what you're doing. It may seem like, like why is that person being promoted they don't do nothing you just keep doing what god gives you to do you do it you're you're doing it as to the will of god you're doing it as to the lord so that means that they're asking you to do something that's illegal it's time to polish your resume you have to go you don't do it you don't do it you don't allow yourself to be compromised in that way he says in in, in verse 9 and you masters do the same things to them so again you have uh, the slave to be to the master, the employee to the employer. And he's saying everything I'm asking the employee to do, I'm asking him to do as well. Do the same things to them. 
giving, giving up threatening now that our own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. That means if we run a business as a Christian employee, we don't treat anybody differently because they're Christian. You treat all your employees the same way. There's no... If you can show me somewhere in the Bible where favoritism worked out well, it didn't. It didn't. And so if you do that at your job, you're asking for trouble as an employer. And that, that goes here for this church. Okay? I'm the under-shepherd of this church. I love all of y'all. But just because you serve and you're here every Sunday doesn't mean that you get treated differently than anybody else. For some reason, people think that. Well, you should take, just take my side. No. No, that's not how that works. I love you. I love you both. We need to get to the bottom of it. We treat each person the same with love, with respect. We want to speak truth and life into them, and, and we want to see you grow. But at the end of the day, there's no partiality. There's no partiality. They shouldn't be that way because it creates problems. Now we see we are to be strong in the Lord. And this was part of my verse today as I was reading the census of David when David makes that huge mistake. And I'm in First Chronicles and it tells him to be strong in the Lord as he tells Moses um, in the verse that I was reading today uh, as our morning reading. And um, I love this because one of the things it says in verse 10 is finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. A lot of men are, are strong in themselves, but they're not strong in the Lord. They try to do it in their might, right? And we, we have a tendency of doing that, but Paul is getting to an important piece of doctrine here. He's, he's told you from this point on, from verses, chapters 1 through 3, that you are to sit, right? And learn about who Jesus is, that he's the cornerstone, that you're saved by grace, Right? And then he tells you that you're to walk. You're to walk in love. Walk in light. Walk in the wisdom empowered by the Spirit. And now he's going to tell you to stand. He's going to tell you to stand. This is the moment where the, the book of Ephesians changes to the point of standing. And it's important for you to get this because Paul's doctrine is, is, is for us, the, the thing that we need is our strength comes from God, not ourselves. He says, be strong and courageous in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He covers it three times with Joshua. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's in His strength, not yours. He tells you here in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. It's very important that you get this. Don't put some of the armor of God on. Put the whole armor of God on. Now, many of us that were in boot camp uh, can remember there was always that guy that couldn't find all of his equipment. He would always come out missing something. And that's not what God wants. That's not what Paul wants for you here. He's telling you, look, you need to put on the whole armor of God. And I'm afraid that, that because we have such a biblical illiteracy that's happening in the church today, some of you don't understand what the armor is. And some of you have no clue where your armor is. If you needed to go, grab it. And some of you, your, your, your swords are rusty. They couldn't cut butter. The sword is the Word of God. But he tells you to put on the whole armor of God. And the reason for it is that you may be able to stand. This is the first time you see the word stand against the schemes of the devil. 
Now the word stand that he uses here is, is not a casual standing. That's the problem. And that's why Americans have been taken by surprise. Casual Christians. Because they're casually standing for God. He's telling you that you are to stand. And that is to dig in. To be ready to be struck. To be hit. Because the schemes of the devil are coming. You dig in. You stand as if you're a lineman ready to get hit. You know that ball is coming. You're going to get, the ball is going to be hiked. And that, that defensive, you're going to get hit. You need to be ready. He's asking you to dig in, to stand, to be ready. But he says to be careful of the schemes of the devil. That's the cunning, deceit, the trickery. To know that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm afraid that so many people take this so lackadaisical that they don't take it seriously. Like the schemes of the devil. Ah, you know, really, come on, Mike. We'll look at three people. We'll look at three people real quick. Look at Solomon, Samson, and David. Solomon was the wisest of all men. He had great wealth and great power. Samson was the strongest of all men. He killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey and toppled the temple with his own hands. And David was a man greatly devoted to God, a man after God's own heart, but a powerful warrior. And yet all three of these men fell to the schemes of the devil. All three. Samson, as strong as he was, he was unable to resist the persistence of a woman named Delilah. He ended up telling her a secret of his strength, and then she ended up betraying her, and he ultimately fell. Solomon, unfortunately, fell scheme to the schemes of the devil because he decided, hey, I know God said I'm not supposed to marry foreign women, but hey, I like women. And so he marries a bunch of them and creates a major problem for Israel, bringing in false gods and a big mess because of his temptation. And then we know David's story. He sees Bathsheba. He sees her, falls into lust for her, has adultery, commits adultery with her, and then eventually murders her husband. And yet all three of these men fell for the same schemes that the devil plays on repeat called lust, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. And you think, oh no, the schemes of the devil, they're not going to get me. If they got Samson, Solomon, and David, do you not think they can get you? They can you need to be ready for him. That's why he's telling you, you need to stand and be ready. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Understand that when he talks about wrestling against flesh and blood, this is hand-to-hand -hand combat. Now, I did wrestling. It is not comfortable. We had to do it. I don't know. This I don't even know if they do these things in high school anymore. But when I went to high school, you either did square dancing or you did wrestling. Now I learned as I got older, all the girls went to square dancing, so I did square dancing the second time. I was like, I'm not doing that again. But I, I the the first time I wrestled, I was like, man, I don't like this. I don't like somebody being on me like that. I, man, I don't like, I, I, you're a dude. I don't, I'm not down with this. But that's hand-to-hand -hand combat. Then I went to the Army and we learned hand-to-hand -hand combat. You have to be ready for all of that. You have to be able to know how to strike and how to hit. And he's telling you, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And he's telling you that these are, you're, you're not in the rear of the war. You're actually on the battlefield. 
And the, the wrestling that's happening is flesh and blood for us is that we are to be in the spirit. It's very easy for us to understand that as we wrestle against flesh and blood, the way that we wrestle for us is that we are to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be in the truth of His Word, to be a, a prayer warrior, understanding that's how the battle's going to be won on the battlefield and that we don't respond in the flesh. The battle's going on around us. I've told y'all many times that a lot of people, for some reason, they, they treat their Christian faith like they're on the love boat. They're on a cruise ship. You're not. God has called you to a battleship. You're at war. The moment that you give your life to Christ, you're at war. The devil's, you were on his side, but the moment you give your life to Christ, you belong to Christ now and you're an enemy. The devil sees you as an enemy. And he tells you here that it's but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And the heavenly places, we've seen that described in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Jesus is at the right hand in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, and raises up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He seated you in the heavenly places. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 